Why don't you have a seat this morning? It's good to worship with you on this Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you are full of brats and hot dogs and you're out in the sun yesterday. I got too much sun yesterday. Anyone else? Wait, out in the sun? Yeah, a couple. Okay, good deal. Well, happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, happy Memorial Day tomorrow, right, technically. Um, thanks for being here this morning. It's good to worship with you and to be gathered and have a chance to look at and study together God's Word and some of the Scriptures. And uh, this morning, today, what we are going to be taking the time to look at and uh, specifically uh, investing is, is around this understanding and looking at uh, sacrifice and the word sacrifice and kind of looking at what the Scriptures have to say around sacrifice specifically. Um, it's aptly timed, as Memorial Day is a day that is supposed to uh, call attention to the sacrifice of others. And so we're going to get into that as well uh, later on. But uh, I, I learned about the word sacrifice. There's a lot of different places where you might have bumped into this word. I learned the word sacrifice from kind of a peculiar source. Uh, I learned about sacrifice from Harry Carey. Does anyone know who Harry Carey is? Yes! All right, there's some Cubs fans in the crowd. Okay. All the Brewers fans are like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, all right. So bear with me, bear with me. Pastor Bob is definitely a Cubs fan. I was raised in a Cubs house, okay? So what happened was Dad would go out and he'd work in the garage and he'd turn on the Cubs game, right? And so he'd go and he'd work in the garage and he'd do all his yard work and I'd be running around being just annoying and things like that and he'd be working and I would learn via Harry Carey about sacrifice, right? Because Harry Carey would come on and he would start talking about sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And I'd be like, Dad, what in the world is this guy? Why is this box yelling at me about sacrifice? It seemed to be a big deal to him. What, what is this thing, you know? And so I learned that in baseball, okay, we'll just say general baseball, okay, is that okay? In baseball, a sacrifice is a really important play, right? A sacrifice is something really important that you need to know how to do, at least I think so, because every time they failed at it, Dad would get real riled up. Uh, the point was that you would sacrifice bunt, right? So you would, you would hit the ball in such a way that would advance the other runner, okay? So someone on your own team you would give up your chance to run around the bases so that someone else could advance farther and the team as a whole could go farther on, right? And so that's where my first initial understanding of sacrifice came from, from, from Harry Carey yelling about sacrifice. Eventually, I bumped into it around church. I learned about sacrifice in church. Is it fair to say that it's kind of a churchy word, sacrifice? Maybe you've heard of this word in a church context before. Um, if, if you're a non-Christian, you might have bumped into a Christian before who has talked about sacrifice. Hopefully you have heard of it outside of church context as well. But the word sacrifice is, is, is really a loaded word. It's something very important. It's something that has a lot of connotation to it. And so what's fascinating, though, is that when, when, when you use the word sacrifice and you think of it in a church context, did you know that, that the first part of the Bible, the first chunk of the Bible, it's called the Old Testament, the Old Testament actually never uses the word sacrifice. Most of us, if you've been in church before, if you've experienced or if you've talked with Christians before, you might have heard of something called animal sacrifice. It was like this old thing that, 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 that believers used to do. The Jewish custom was animal sacrifice, right? But what's fascinating is that actually animal sacrifice was not called animal sacrifice. It was called animal offering. In the Old Testament, 
the word sacrifice was always, always, always translated as offering. There was no Jewish word for sacrifice until much later on. We'll get into that in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they used the word offering. That what you would do is offer something to God. You would offer something to God. The first place that you begin to see uh, the word offering comes very early on in the Bible, in a book called Genesis, first book of the Bible, in the first four chapters. You meet two brothers named Cain and Abel. You might have heard of them before. Cain and Abel, this is the first experience where, where we can definitively see the word offering being used. It says this, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. So, so Cain brought to the Lord an offering of grains and fruit and the yield produce. And, and Abel brought uh, to God and offered to God uh, uh, sheep. He was a herdsman, so he brought to God sheep and he would sacrifice the sheep. There's that word. He would offer the sheep to God as kind of a free will uh, gift. That offering was associated with gift. You gave the gift to God because God was so good and God had done so much for you. You turned around and gave God something that was important and valuable to you. And so in Cain's, Cain's, he was a farmer, and so he gave grain and he gave first fruits of the produce. Abel brought his sheep. Okay? And so that's where offering and the centers of sacrifice started in the Old Testament. Well, shortly thereafter, you keep going on in the story, and you meet a bunch of other people who began to do this offering thing more and more. They would build these small rock altars, and then they would offer on the small rock altar some sort of sacrifice, some sort of offering that was pleasing, supposedly, to God. Okay, uh, Noah did this, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, a lot of those famous guys, if you've ever heard of them from, from the first part of the Bible, would, they would give offerings to God. Well, as the story continued, all of a sudden they have kids, they've got more kids, more kids, more kids, and all of a sudden the nation of Israel is made a reality. It's no longer like one or two guys doing offering. It's now a whole bunch of people. It's a whole collective that is engaged in offering. And what typically happened is that they would bring, as a nation, a representative would make an offering. But then you also, additionally, as an individual, was responsible for an offering. There was a big change, though, that happened. What started as a free will offering, when it got into a bigger group, it made a significant change to something called a sin offering. What happened is people started making lots of mistakes. In fact, if you keep reading about Cain and Abel, they make some big mistakes. (laughs) They got some family things they had to work through, and it didn't turn out so well. And so this reality of, of brokenness started to seep through the whole nation, and so as a nation, they, they, they were making mistakes. And so the idea was, wow, we've made mistakes. God, we've done something to offend you. Please take this offering as a way to repair our relationship. And so it became something called a sin offering or a guilt offering. And this is where we get the understanding today of ritual animal sacrifice. If you're a kid today, don't ask your parents about ritual animal sacrifice. Fido is okay, all right? You can learn about that later. Uh, but for adults, this is what they did. This is what they did. And it's largely because their economy and their livelihood was based on animals. This is, their livelihood was based on animals. There were a lot of nomadic herders. A lot of their economy was based... You, you knew how much wealth you had based on how many animals 
you, you had in your care, right? And so by the time you get to the idea of the sin offering, what happened is God lays out in Leviticus 4 some codes. He lays out some laws and he says, look, if you're going to do this offering thing, there are certain ways that I want you to do it. There are certain uh, parameters in which are important. And it's, you know, it was kind of laid out like this. If any of you are rulers, if a ruler among you sins, if a king makes a big mistake, they have to sacrifice a bull. Big mistake, big responsibility, big job, big offering. They go for the full bull, okay? And then, and then if you're a priest, you also get stuck with a bull. Bummer. And then, and then if you're ordinary people, though, it's a little easier. You guys can do goats and sheep. Uh, goats is what God, God expected from you. That's what the, the system laid out, expected you to bring a goat. And you would actually, you know, if you think of yourself as a herder back then, you would spend time and energy with your goats. They would be your livelihood. I mean, you, there was one point in the Old Testament where, where you would actually take a goat, ritualistically, you would take a goat into your family. Kind of like, like a dog, like a dog we do today, right? So in, in our household, when you talk to a dog, um, it's almost like, part, it's, it's like a child. It's like another child in the family, right? Same idea with a goat. The goat would actually eat with your family. It would sleep inside your tent. You would spend an entire year year caring for brushing walking your goat going for the goat walk okay and you take care of this one specific goat that you had set aside and at the end of the year you would offer that goat that had become part of your family as a sacrifice to god as something that was a sin offering to help repair the relationship with god well, eventually, this gets worse and worse. Once, once the system gets created, the system shortly thereafter gets corrupted. What people begin doing is they keep bringing offerings to God, these sacrifices to God, and they say, God, I'm going to give up my goat, so I better be able to do whatever I want. And so they just start doing, they start partying hard, they start doing whatever they want, living however they want, and every time they screw up, they just like, well, I'll just... Get another goat, honey, and let's just do another one. Just throw another goat on my tab. And they kept bringing more and more goats, and they'd make more and more sacrifices. And it became this wheeling and dealing kind of thing, this this for that sort of thing, that every time you made a mistake, didn't matter how big it was, you just go and sacrifice some more. You just go and offer some more. And it was this, God, God, I'm going to give this to you, God. I'm going to offer this to you, God. And I expect in return your forgiveness and your blessing, and I expect rain on my crops. I expect you to give me lots and lots of kids. And so I'm going to give you all this so that you give me that. And eventually, the whole system became so corrupt, so bad, God sent people into the world called prophets to say, whoa, you guys don't get this whole offering thing, do you? You, get, you, you don't get this whole sacrifice offering thing, do you? It comes up in a Hosea as a great example where God sends a, a prophet and this is what Hosea says. God speaks through this prophet and says, Man, guys, I desire steadfast love. That's your offerings. I don't want the offering for the offering's sake. I don't need another goat. I'm God. I made the goat. Okay? And yet you're bringing me all these goats. You're bringing me all this stuff trying to offset. Guys, I want your love. I want your love, and I want you to know me. I want you know, knowledge of God, knowledge of my ways, knowledge of, of who I am and what I want for your life. That is way more important, way more valuable to me as God, that you would know me and my ways than trying to make up some sort of burnt offering system. Because the system had gotten so, so terribly corrupt. 
the way I would summarize it is kind of like this. What happened in the Old Testament is something that happens to all of us. This happens innately with us as humanity. We begin by giving gifts. And free will gift offer. It's great, good stuff. You just kind of give a gift. You see this. Let me translate this into, into modern day contemporary world, right? This is what happens when like that sweet, innocent kid shares their toy with their brother or sister. Because they're like so pumped and they don't know what to do with it. And they're so excited. And they're like, here, play with me. Play with it. And they give their toy to their brother or sister. Because they're so excited. And they just offer it to their, to their family, to their sister, to their brother. I have nephews and nieces right now who are hanging out for the weekend with us. And they do this. They just, they're so excited and they just give it. And so that would be an example of just free will offering giving. Giving for forgiving, some sort of, sort, sort of sin, guilt offering. This is rampant in our culture and every guy is going to be sending me hate mail after this. Um, I'm convinced God made flowers as a guilt offering in this world. You didn't know this, but when you stop at the store because you made a mistake and you bring home honey, a a bouquet, that's a sin offering. That's what your flowers are, ladies. They are sin offerings. I'm so sorry. Here, look at the bouquet. That's That's what they are. They're sin offerings. I made a mistake. I'm really sorry. Here, don't make me sleep on the couch. That's what flowers are. And that's what we do. We give to say, I'm so sorry, honey. Please forgive me. Accept these flowers. Now, ladies, though, you're not exempt from this either. Guys, we we fall into this. Ladies, giving to gain. This is where you give in order to get something back, kind of like that this for that sort of thing, this compromise thing. I'll tell you, this is easy. You all know this one. Okay, I'll let you go on the deer hunting trip, but then I'm going on a spa weekend with the girls. You ever have that? I'm going out with the ladies for a ladies' weekend. If you're going to do your boy thing, I'm getting my girl thing. We're going to go have a weekend and paint our toenails and have a lot of fun together. Right? Right? We do this. We do this today. What the Old Testament makes clear for us is that what starts in our hearts is what hopefully starts and begins as as this desire to give and to share becomes quickly corrupted and twisted. It becomes broken because we ourselves are broken people. And and we move from giving to giving for forgiving, and then eventually it gets to this place where we actually give as a way to gain something. This is the condition of broken humanity. At least I know this is true in my life. I've done all of these. I've made these mistakes. And this all has to do with the Old Testament understanding of offering. Because they don't use the word sacrifice. They use the word offering. Sacrifice. Sacrifice becomes a word in the New Testament. God is so smart. God is so good. See, he knows that we seem to have this issue laid out in the Old Testament. He knows that we got these problems going on. And he knows that we seem to seem to be convinced in ourselves and in our habits that we've always got to be the ones giving. And since we've got to gain, give, we might as well get something back, right? He knows our broken condition. And so God intervenes at a point in time in history and puts into place his plan, his activity in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he shows up, is going to blow this out of the water, this whole system and all that we've done. He redefines offering with a very simple twist. 
He does something totally radical that up until now you and I just haven't seemed to grasp. You see, when you give and when you offer something, the direction is from you to the other person. And that bothers us. We don't like that. What's amazing is that when Jesus shows up and Jesus starts preaching and teaching and what Jesus' life ends up unveiling, what his death ends up accomplishing is showing that God is less concerned about receiving from you some sort of goat sacrifice and is far more concerned with you understanding God is offering things to you. God is giving to you. God is the one who is active giving. You and I, we get to be receivers. We're so worked up about giving and trying to compensate and trying to do this guilt stuff. God, I messed up again. I should say another couple prayers over my kids and I should do this and I should do that. God interrupts all this with the person of Jesus and says, no, 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 I'm Jesus. I'm here to offer you life. I'm Jesus and I'm here to offer you healing. I'm Jesus. I'm here to offer you forgiveness and hope and a future. I'm the one doing the giving here. You, you get to receive. You get to receive my love, my grace, my forgiveness, my plans for your life. And all of a sudden, this whole, this whole trajectory, this lens that we're looking from gets flipped around. An offering from us turns around and we begin to see that God actually offers to us life hope, and forgiveness. This is where the New Testament begins to interject the word sacrifice. As a receiver, when you receive a gift, that's when you begin to realize and understand the significance of sacrifice. Let me show you. In Romans, this is what it says about Jesus being a sacrifice. For there is no distinction, since all have fallen short of the glory of God, they are now justified by His grace as a gift. God is giving a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a sacrifice, an offering, a gift for you, a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. Jesus offers His life and all of his goodness to you. He talks about it if you want to see a place where, God, where, where Jesus is giving up and, and, and giving things up. Go to Philippians 2. Write that in the margin somewhere if you're on your half sheet right now. Look that up later. Philippians 2. It's called the Great Descent. It's where Christ is offering. He's giving up all of his, his stature and his status and his holiness and his perfectness. And he steps down into the muck, into the mire with the rest of us. Because he's so intent on giving you life and hope and freedom. The direction changes. The reason that the New Testament uses the word sacrifice, the reason that they don't simply say offering, is because of this, 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 so important, this is so important. There's this one key factor that changes from offering to sacrifice, and it's got to do with being a receiver. 
A gift becomes a sacrifice. You can use the word sacrifice. When the receiver acknowledges the cost of the gift. If you're receiving a gift, if you're receiving an offering, when you experience that and you look back at the other person and you acknowledge the sacrifice that has gone into providing this gift for you, the gift becomes a sacrifice in that moment. Let me give you an example of my own life. My wife and I, we live by a pretty strict budget. We're Financial Peace University people. We live by a pretty strict budget. And there's not a lot of allowance for either one of us, okay? You got enough for a candy bar every so often, okay? So that means that we have a Sir family holiday that that we celebrate. It's uh, the Sir family holiday of uh, tax return day. Do you guys celebrate tax return season? This is a season to be celebrated, Because that comes in the mail, and that's not part of the budget. And it's like, hallelujah, let's go have fun, you know? And so what we do is we we take that that, that gift uh, that comes comes back to us from the government, and we take that, and we we say, okay, let's go buy something. You can go buy something special for yourself. And so I go out, and I go find something that I've been wanting, hoping for, pining away for. And uh, my wife goes and, and does something for herself as well. Um. During, during, I think it was our second year of marriage, um, it was National, National Tax Return Hallelujah Day for the Sir household, and we were celebrating that. And so my wife was out. She, she was out, and I was home, and she came back from, from work. And when she stopped on her way home from work, she stopped, and she came in with this giant bag. She had a big bag of something. And I'm like, what in the world's going on with the bags? I'm like, honey, what is that? And she comes walking in after a long day at work. She'd been working all day. I was a student still. She came in and she said, okay, I spent my tax return money. I spent my money. I said, well, that's great. What did you get yourself? She said, no, actually, I got you something. And she opened it up and it was this, it's a Keurig coffee machine. I love coffee. (laughs) Let me tell you, I love my Keurig coffee machine. She gave me this Keurig coffee machine. She used all of her all of her money up so that I could enjoy the gift. And, and, and when I think about that, when I look at that, to this day, when I use that coffee machine, I use it almost every single day. The reason that it is so valuable to me, the reason that it is so meaningful to me, is because that machine was a sacrifice. That cost my wife something significant. She didn't go out and spend that money on herself. She didn't go buy shoes. She didn't go out for a girl's day. She didn't go get a pedicure. She turned around and it cost her something. She did that for me. And all of a sudden, a gift has become something so much more. The gift has become a sacrifice. Because I understand the cost. I receive the gift. And I acknowledge the cost that the gift had on my wife. We celebrate this at Memorial Day. This is why we have Memorial Day. We celebrate Memorial Day. When we do that, when you're out having fun and with your family, you are enjoying, you are celebrating, you are, you are, you are living into the constitutional freedom 
that has been gifted to you. And it came, it continues to come at a cost. There is a cost. And we, it is our responsibility, it is our duty and joy to be able to acknowledge that cost as true, full sacrifice, as a gift offering. This is why we have Memorial Day. This is why we continue to meet as Christians. This is why we celebrate Jesus and call him a sacrifice, that he sacrificed himself. He gave up his life so that you and I could live it. He gave up himself so that you could. There was sacrifice, there was a cost to that. This is why we acknowledge the cross as the cost. So we name Christ as sacrifice. In fact, in, in, in uh, John, the Gospel of John, if you ever read the Gospel of John, it starts off, Jesus is referred to with a specific title in the Gospel of John. He's called the Lamb of God. Have you ever heard that before? You ever, like, we sing that in our songs sometimes, right? Lamb of God, you've heard that? Okay, like three people have. Okay, good. Well, if you ever hear it, Lamb of God, it's trying to pick up on this. It's picking up on this understanding that Jesus is, is that sacrifice, is the cost that has been paid through the person of Jesus Christ when he gave up all of his splendor, all of his majesty, all of his might and his wonder, and he stepped down to the muck and the mire with you and me to get dirty, and he now gives his life to you and to me and says, I forgive you, I make you mine, I bring you into my family, and I will incur the cost. You don't have to pay anything. It is a free gift. The church word is grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. It is a free gift to you and me, but there was indeed a cost. The cost was the person of Jesus Christ dying on a cross. If, if you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian this morning, um, what you, this is so important for you as well. Practical word of advice. If you're receiving something, if you're receiving something, acknowledge the cost to the other person. Just name it. Wow, that, that is incredible that you would do that for me. Thank you. I can see that really matters because of the way you gave up your time. You gave up your energy. You did that so that I could enjoy it. Thank you. When you're in your relationships, when you're talking with your kids, when you're talking at work, acknowledge the sacrifice when someone gives you something. It will, it, will, it will go so far in your relationships. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you too, we, we as Christians, we acknowledge the sacrifice of Christ. And, and when we acknowledge the sacrifice of Christ, we understand and value that cost so we don't abuse the gift. This is true non-Christians as well. You ever get a gift and see it abused? Have you ever seen a gift like abused by someone really poorly? Drives you nuts, doesn't it? Because there is a cost. If you're, if you're non-Christian or a Christian, don't abuse the gifts that are given to you. Instead, acknowledge the cost. Specifically for Christians, this means your whole life. Your life is a gift. So don't waste it. Don't spend it frivolously. Don't abuse the gift of, of freedom that has been purchased for you. Galatians, the, chapter, the book of Galatians talks over and over. For, for freedom, you have been, been set free. For freedom, you have been set free. 
that you might enjoy the, the richness of God's gift. So we as Christians, we, don't, we choose not to abuse that. That's why we live different. That's why we do things different as Christians. Because we know and understand the cost of the gift. We choose to live differently. My word of encouragement to, to wrap up this morning, we'll pray, um, is, is just please acknowledge the costs and it will transform a gift into a true sacrifice. And it will be so much more meaningful when you recognize a gift as sacrifice. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift the gift of your love and grace, the gift of your sacrifice, that you would indeed send your Son to reconcile this broken world to himself, that through his blood, through his cross, we would receive life and wholeness and hope and healing. We acknowledge the cost and pray and ask that we would never lose sight of that sacrifice, but instead live out of it. We give you thanks for the sacrifice of others who have paid significant cost. Specifically, this day and in this weekend, we remember and give thanks for those who have, who have given the cost of their lives in hopes of offering to us the freedoms which we enjoy. We pray that we would honor both them and you by not abusing these gifts, but by reveling in their giftedness and grace. We thank you. We praise you. We ask that you would continue to work in our lives and hearts towards sacrifice. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.